you know, uh, Rob, one of the questions that comes up a lot uh, amongst whenever, you know, new movies are coming out and things like that. Are we Disney shills? Uh, well, yeah, that always comes out. <laughs> uh, they always want to ask, you know, a new thing started a few years ago of there's the review embargo. Mm. But then there's also something else called the social media embargo where studios will let you put up a quick social media reaction to a movie before you put out the full review. Like you can put out a social media reaction today or, you know, next Saturday, but you can't release your full review until three weeks from now. Right. And a lot of people often ask why. And I've been giving that a little bit of thought. And what happened, Rob, was this, and you and I didn't talk about this uh, going hmm. before we did today's show. One of my favorite tech uh, YouTubers is a guy by the name of Mr. Who's the Boss. Uh, he's a, a guy in England, uh, him and MKBHD, who's another one of my favorite tech bloggers. They did this video that I watched uh, this morning that I thought was really interesting. And the name of the video was How Tech Companies Manipulate the Media, right? Like how tech, tech companies can kind of work the tech journalists to give them positive press, right? It's not, and none of it is, oh, we're going to send this tech journalist $5,000 and he'll give our new phone a good review. No, no, but it's the little subtle ways that they try to manipulate the media to give their tech coverage positive coverage, right? And a number of the things that they talked about in this video don't actually apply to the movie sphere, like in any way, shape, or form, because it's a totally different thing. But a couple of the things that they talked about did kind of apply a little bit. And I thought we would take a minute or two and talk about a couple of things. So let's jump over for a second uh, into the Campia classroom, just for a minute here, shall we? Now we're going to, in general, talk about two embargoes. And there's a number of things that they talked about as how they, you know, influence the media. Most of them don't apply, but here's a couple that do apply. Okay. One of the things they do is uh, offer free uh, giveaways on your channel. Now, I get these offers from studios all the time. All the time, Rob. I will get these uh, at least weekly. I'll get an email from a PR department at some from some studio, whether it's Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal, Disney, Lionsgate, so you name it, right? And they'll say, hey, you know, such and such a movie is coming out and we've got no time to die pencils. Woo. I'm just making shit up here. Okay. Uh, we've got no time to die pencils. Woo. Wouldn't you love to give away? We're going to give you 50 pencils for you to give away on your channel, John. Won't that be great? Won't your audiences love, love that? I mean, you think, okay, but here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is what happens if then I watch No Time to Die and I don't like it? Well, then I look like an asshole going, yeah, guys, No Time to Die, piece of shit. And I'm giving away uh, No Time to Die pencil. So it just it just sends a mixed message on the channel, right? It's like, oh, you know, we've got, I, I don't know, what's a, what's a movie? Tenet is coming out. Uh, how would you like this replica shot whiskey shot glass that I don't know that uh, Robert Pattinson used in the film. You can give that away on your channel. Well, that's great. But what if I don't like tenant? 
Well, then I'm like, Tenet is terrible. I hated Tenet. I didn't hate Tenet, by the way. I'm just, as an example, I hate Tenet, but hey guys, who wants to participate in this giveaway we're doing, right? So I just always felt like I don't ever want to be in a position to send mixed messages like that. And so that's why I never really participate in these giveaways just because if I don't like the movie I'm still allowed to say I don't like it but then I look stupid saying I don't like this movie but hey who wants a piece of swag from the movie right it's just it's inconsistent so I don't generally do those things now we had to do them a couple of times at AMC Rob because AMC wanted to do it so that was fine but that's why on my YouTube channel, we don't do any of those giveaways. I don't blame the studios for doing it. There's nothing wrong with studios doing giveaways. Nothing wrong with it at all. I'm just saying for me, it just, it puts me in a position of risking looking inconsistent, say shitting on a movie, but they're saying, hey, everybody who wants a giveaway for this, right? So it's just kind of inconsistent for that. So that's why I personally don't do. And by the way, I don't think there's any problem at all. Before anybody thinks I'm trying to shit on other YouTube channels or anything, I don't think there's any problem at all of participating in these giveaways. I I see no problem with it at all. As long as those channels are still honest with their opinions, it's perfectly fine. I just don't want to look stupid. That's all. That's the only reason I don't do it. But I see no problem with anybody else doing it. But anyway, you got you got the offer channels for free giveaways. But Here's the big thing that does kind of apply to movie channels. Like a lot of the things who's the boss and MKBHD cover don't really apply to movie channels, but this is one that really, really does aside from the free giveaways. And that one is uh, dual embargoes. Okay. And by the way, our friend Marie Seifring sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Marie. Appreciate that very much. Okay. So why do the channels participate or, or why did they launch the idea of dual embargoes? There's two reasons. One is kind of obvious. One is a little bit more sneaky. Okay. One is obvious. One's a little bit more sneaky. So the obvious one is it gets the studio double the coverage on their new movie, right? So like, let's say I go to see James Bond, No Time to Die, right? The studio will benefit from me putting up my review. That gets a lot of attention. You know, all these places start putting out the reviews, that gets a lot of attention, but it's only one time and one piece of content. Damn it, my thumb still really hurts. Um, It's only one piece of content, Rob. So they came up with this idea of, when they feel confident in their movies, let's let them put up a social media thing as well. So we make two separate times when there's going to be a flood of attention to their movie. Great example of that, Rob, is Shang-Chi, right? That's one of the more recent ones because they showed Shang-Chi to, at the, to, the, to the audiences and things like that. And they said, good news, the review embargo isn't for a couple of weeks, but the social media embargo is as soon as the screening is over. So if you want to put up a quick thought, you can do that. That's actually brilliant on their part because that night, it means there's a whole flood of attention for Shang-Chi. And then it means in a week and a half or two weeks when the regular review embargo lifts, they get another flood of attention for Shang-Chi. Perfect. It's great for them. It's good for the YouTube channels and whatever as well, because we let, we get to get our initial thoughts out there a little bit sooner. But it's also, most importantly to the studios, it's good for the studios because it gets them double the free attention. 
But there's another reason the uh, not so obvious reason that they'll have two embargoes. And that is this. In a quick impression, you are more likely to focus on the positive. Like if all, if all I can talk about, like, let's say Black Widow, right? Let's, let's say Black Widow. I'm not a huge fan of Black Widow. I like the movie. I thought it was good, but I didn't love it. I didn't think it was great. They'd had right. some big glaring problems for me. The villains most prominent were the big problems, blah, blah, blah. But if I were to give a quick reaction to Black Widow, and I can, all I can do is give, like, what what is the character limit now? 140 characters on Twitter or something like that? I can just have a quick, quick thought. I am probably going to focus on just my general impression, which was I thought Black Widow was good. I don't have the time to go in depth about, but here are the caveats and here are the problems that I have that I'm going to be able to go into when I give my full review. So I can just give my quick thoughts. And if my quick thought on uh, of Black Widow is generally, hey, I think it's another win for Marvel. I think it's a good film. I think it's another positive, entertaining film. That's probably what's going to come out in the initial reaction. And it won't be until my full review when I really get into the nuts and bolts of it that I'm able to really flesh out and give all the caveats and give all the disclaimers and give all the downsides of it and all that kind of stuff as well. So, yeah, number one, the studios get double the coverage, which is great for them. But number two is that just initial quick reaction will more times than not tend to lean towards the positive stuff than the negative. And then when the full review comes out, you get all the, you get all the stuff. So that's why, I mean, I love Rob. I love initial social media reactions. I do. Me, me too. I, 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 you know, on a big movie, I sit there knowing when people are going to get out of the, the screening and I'm like looking at Twitter, man, <laughs> watching and waiting. I agree. I, and I like it. I like getting that first out of the theater kind of reaction. But when you read that, you have to understand, like nobody who didn't like the movie is going to come out and give a first reaction of, oh, I loved it. No, no, no. But you just got to keep in mind that they can only give a quick reaction here. And it is more likely going to focus on the things they thought that were good about the movie. And so, so it's still good to see positive reactions. It's still a good thing. It's not like those are meaningless. It's still great, but you just got to keep that in mind. So I thought that was a really interesting video that Mr. Who's the Boss uh, put up with MKBHD. And I just thought those two things kind of also applied to the movie. Like I said, a number of the things that they put up don't apply to the movie world. But I thought those two things, the the channel offer giveaways and the dual embargoes, I thought that those were ones that really do apply. And, uh, and I appreciated it uh, for that. And I just thought I would take a second and talk about it here today. And by the way... You know I just want to mention this, Rob. Uh, Aaron Epstein, uh, RM, and Kevin Cow all send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Anyway, Rob, you you had a thought. Well, you know what i what i found what I find so strange about the modern era that we live in. I mean, John, I think I can speak for you when I say this. We've loved movies our whole life. Like movies are a go to. Uh, they're they're they bring us joy, and and we want every movie. To bring us joy. So our default position is we want to like movies. I have I have never in my life ever walked into a film wanting it to suck. 
or be bad. I've never ever walked into a theater and I'm like, this movie's going to be terrible. <laughs> I've always walked into movie theaters thinking what I'm about to see is amazing. And the, 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 my opinion is a movie's to lose. And of course, movie studios, they sell a product, their business, like Ford makes cars. Movie studios make movies. You know, they want to sell them to the public. And, and now that we have this newfangled contraption called the World Wide Web, of course they're going to make use of it. And they're going to make use of all of us who love movies to go in and see their movies and help promote their movies so they can sell their movies, so they can make money and make more movies. And I think it's so weird that we live in a world where now, you know, I'm always getting criticized, like, you and John, you, you're paid Disney shills because you like Shang-Chi. And I'm like, what? What? Why wouldn't I love Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi would have to be pretty bad for me to dislike it because I've loved the comics since I was a kid. And it was way better than even I, even after listening to your rave, I had so much fun. I can't remember the last time I loved sitting in a movie theater on a moment-to-moment basis than I did watching Shang-Chi and coming off of Army of the Dead and Fast 9. This is the third movie. And every moment of that film made me smile on the inside, John. And I don't understand... Why isn't that okay to come shouting from the trees that we loved the movie? Because yeah. it was great. And, and, you know, and then when we see a movie like Fast 9 that we don't love, we come out or, you know, Rise of Skywalker. Then we come out and we say we didn't love it. But we didn't I mean, love it. But I, but I, but it, but we, but yeah, the studios will absolutely try to, in every legitimate fair way, try to capitalize on whatever yes. opportunity they can to try to get buzz out there for their movie. And that is one of the reasons uh, why dual embargoes exist. So, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I won't participate in giveaways, but I mean, for instance, like I love Shang-Chi. So if they, they contact me and say, Hey, you want to give away a Shang-Chi jacket? Well, I already know I love the movie. So yeah, I'll probably do that. But usually the you giveaway offers, the jacket. Who are we kidding? <laughs> I'll definitely keep one of them. But normally the giveaways happen before long before the movies you're ever come out. You're a paid out. Warner Brothers shill right now. Look at what you're wearing. Uh, it's true. Uh, it's true. I'm getting, I get 2% of every dollar that Batman makes at the theaters. I bet not a lot of people know that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. Uh, what do you think about that? I know a lot of you guys have asked me before in the past, like, why are there two separate embargoes now? Uh, does that fill in the gaps a little bit for you? Does it still leave some questions? Whatever you guys are thinking, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics today here, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campia Show? Well, it's really simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you feel we need to cover here on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe... Just maybe you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia show with that down, Rob, what is our first main topic today? Well, John, I have to get a prop for this one. Oh, it's, you know, it's big when a prop time happens. It's prop time. Whoa, look at that prop. Eddie Sanchez says, Hey, John and Rob, I just read that after 30 years, Disney is reviving the rocketeer with a sequel. It will be writ- written by Ed Recourt or Rycourt and produced by uh oh David Oyelowo. O- 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 yeah, I never get his right name. Uh, but I, by the way, I love him. Uh, the official film title will be 
the return of the Rocketeer. This story will center on a retired Tuskegee Airman who takes up the mantle of the title hero. Are you guys excited for this news? What are your thoughts? And bring on the filthy. Well, let me tell you, John, the Rocketeer is one of my favorite comic book adaptations. I think it's a delightful, wonderful throwback of a movie. There's a reason Joe Johnston was then later tapped to direct Captain America, the first Avenger. I love this film. And I, I actually, before everybody starts screaming, oh, it's going to be woke or something. I really like the idea of this technology being used by someone else. Um, I love this comic. Dave Stevens, who's sadly no longer with us. His original Rocketeer comic is one of the most beautifully drawn comic books of all time. And while they did tone down um, Jennifer Connelly's part, she was supposed to be Betty Page as she was in the original comics. They toned it down for a family audience. But I love the first movie. I, I mean, I love the score. I love everything. ILM's effects. I love everything about it. Uh, Deadline says the original movie released in 1991 was directed by Joe Johnston and adapted from the Dave Stevens graphic novel. In that film, which made close to $47 million at the domestic box office, and it became a fan fave for the studio, a young pilot stumbles onto a prototype jetpack that allows him to become a high-flying masked hero. The Return of the Rocketeer will have an all-new creative directive, with Rikord's story focusing on a retired Tuskegee Airman who takes up the Rocketeer mantle. Now, I don't know how you feel about the movie, John, but do you love it? Because I do. It didn't make much money. Well, I mean, it made okay money for the time uh, that did. Look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the world's biggest Rocketeer fan. Oh, uh, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I That's don't it. dislike. I, I don't dislike the Rocketeer. I don't dislike the Rocketeer. I don't. But it's. Uh, you know, I'd be lying to you if I. I'd be disingenuous if I told you it was like one of my favorites that I look back to, or that I look back on with a huge uh, amount uh, of fondness, or thought it was like absolutely <sighs> the movie to see. That being said, you have to recognize the fan base that it does have. People love the Rocketeer, man. They love awesome. the Rocketeer. I still have people writing in messages. I've had I've had dozens of messages over the past year or two, people writing in saying, you think they'll ever do another Rocketeer? You think they'll ever do another Rocketeer? This thing has a passionate, uh, rabid fan base that people like. And I'll tell you what, if you're going to do another Rocketeer, this sounds like the right, right way to do it. The Tuskegee Air, doing one where a guy was a retired Tuskegee Airman, that's a terrific idea. I love I, that. I, yeah, be, they can they can set it rather than uh, during World War II or pre World War II. They could set it in the fifties. They can which actually. I would love. They can move the time period forward. They can move it all forward, and getting a guy like David Oweloa in there, Academy Award nominated actor. I love this guy whenever he I pops up and stuff. Now they're they're not saying for sure that he's going to star in it, but they are saying that is uh, that they are probably. It's probably going to be him starring in it, but he is producing it and all that kind of stuff. So listen, as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to do this movie, if you're going to do another Rocketeer, this sounds like the right way to go about it. Will it be any good? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But if you're going to do it, this sounds like the right approach. Anyway, the question is for you guys. What do you think about the sounds of a new Rocketeer? I, I personally think it sounds pretty good. Maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. Whatever it is you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Rob, 
What is our second main topic today? Well, uh, Awful G says, good morning, John and Rob. Uh, I just, <laughs> I just, I guess saw, I just saw what they're calling the last trailer for No Time to Die, and it looks awesome. Have you guys had a chance to see it? And if so, what did you think of it? Also, did you see that it ends saying only in theaters October 8th? That settles it. It's being released. Well, first of all, when I saw this, I watched, there was also a thing, the last TV spot. I didn't realize they dropped a trailer. And uh, luckily, I was able to see it before the show started. And dude, I mean, you saw this movie. And I, I'm as a lifelong James Bond fan, I have to say this to me looks like top tier Bond. I'm hoping, I mean, I love Casino Royale. I think it was still the apex of the Daniel Craig stint as our favorite double O. But this movie, I mean, Carrie Fukunaga, I, I love True Detective. I loved, I mean, I, I, it, this movie looks so good to me and so interesting. I'm dying to see it. That trailer had a few little snippets. You know, from trailers, they always take from the same scenes. They gave us a few little lines of dialogue. But I think we've seen very little of this movie in the trailers, John. I can't. And thank God it's coming out. There's a couple of different versions of the trailer because uh, it opens in the UK, I believe, on the 30th of September. And then it opens a week later here in the States. But um, Cinema Blend says, James Bond fans, we've almost made it to the finish line. With about a month left until No Time to Die finally reaching movie theaters, the anticipation couldn't be higher. After several delays and a cycle of raised and dashed hopes, it's full steam ahead on Bond. To celebrate, one final trailer has been released, taking a look back at Daniel Craig's time as 007, as well as giving us another peek at what's to come. John, you've seen this movie, at least 13 minutes of it or whatever. 13 minutes of it, yes. And I have to tell you, of all the things, like I don't usually get jealous as a rule, but between I still everything get you get jealous. Yeah, everything you saw at CinemaCon last week, I was I was jelly, dude. I, I was jelly all week in Portland, Oregon, of you and Aaron. So tell us, man, from when you've glimpsed it, you've seen it, what did you think? I mean, are you as excited as I am? Well, when they told us that they were going to be showing us like 13 minutes of the film, all I could think about is, man, it's too bad Rob's not here. <laughs> it's oh, okay. it's, Rub too, it bad. it's yeah, too bad Rob's not here. That's um, fantastic. Listen, uh, we we Anna and I talked about this on our coverage of the uh, of the studio presentation. The 13 minutes we saw were absolutely fantastic, like absolutely fan fucking tastic. Uh, I, I couldn't believe how good and exciting and nail biting and on the edge of the sheet it was. Now, it all takes place. It's the 13 minutes surrounding that one thing we see in the trailers, even one of the older trailers, where, you know, the, the guns come out of the front of the car. Yeah, the and DB5, starts, the Aston Martin. Yeah, he starts spinning the Aston Martin and him shooting everything. So it's the 13 minutes surrounding that scene. And it is everything. It's everything. If, that, if those 13 minutes are an accurate representation of the DNA of the rest of the film, God, we are in for a treat. But then they drop this new trailer. They showed us some other footage as well. But then they drop this new trailer. And this is a great trailer because, yeah, Rob, remember, the idea of trailers is to promote the movie, right? They promote the movie. And what else, like, what better way to do it than also highlight, use this. Hey, guys, it's the final Daniel Craig appearances bond. And he's, I mean, it still feels like to a lot of us, like, he's still the new bond, but he has been bond for a long time. Yep. And 
seeing him and reliving the little memories of him as Bond, and that's all led up to this. And really, Rob, it's the first time we've had a James Bond where all of this Bond's movies have have been, to a degree, one connected story. Right, that's right. And and that's that's kind of new for them, that they haven't really done like this before. And I thought the trailer, you know, Rob, again, we talk about this all the time. The job of a trailer is to take your expect is to take your excitement level, no matter how high it is or how low, and bump it up a couple of notches from wherever it is. I was already excited about James Bond No Time to Die. This new trailer gives it that extra ump for me. For me, it gives it that extra ump. I'm dying, I mean, I was dying to see it after the 13 minutes we saw at CinemaCon. I'm even more excited to see it now. But Rob, the other part that they brought that Afel brought up in the um, in their email there was at the end of this trailer, it says October eighth. That's a little. That's basically just a month and a, and a skip away from yep. now. Only in theaters, um, October eighth. I think this does two things. Number one. It confirms what they have always said. This is not going to some streaming bullshit. This is going to be theatrical only. And there's no, they're not changing their minds at this point. This thing comes out in like six weeks. They're no, there's not changing their minds at this point. But also, you know, instead of just saying what they could have done, Rob, is played it a little bit safe. And they could have said coming this fall. Or they could have just said in this final trailer coming soon. If they wanted to buy themselves a little bit of breathing room, if they were still considering pushing the film yet again, I think we would have seen that. Or they just wouldn't have put anything. They just would have played the trailer and not had coming October 8th, coming this fall. coming. They just would have left it out. To me, this kind of solidifies and and puts into concrete that, yes, it is coming out on October 8th. And I mean, you know, barring a meteor hitting or something unforeseen happening, which could still happen. And yes, it is going to be theatrical only, which they have insisted upon for a long time anyway. Rob, when you look at this and that last little thing, coming to theaters October 8th, does this make you feel confident that this is, that's that's it now? Uh, barring any massively unforeseen thing, they're not bumping this thing again? What do you think? You know, I really thought that they were going to, but I, you know, this pretty much solidifies. I think they're committed. I mean, barring an Armageddon-like asteroid smashing into the earth, I think we're finally going to get to see this movie. And I hope if the asteroid does hit the Earth, it hits the day after, like maybe the 9th of October. <laughs> so, you know, I will be able to see the 25th James, official James Bond movie. Uh, so there you have it, guys. The question is for you. What do you think about this final James Bond trailer? I personally thought it was absolutely terrific. And I'm not the biggest James Bond fan in the world. Rob is. Uh, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. No James Bond, no Rocketeer. What kind of show is this? I didn't say I don't like Rocketeer. I just said I'm not as big of a fan as a lot of other people are. That's all I'm all saying. Right. That's all I'm all saying. Right. The question is for you guys. What did you think about the final trailer for James Bond, No Time to Die? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Martin Guess, who writes, Hey, John, like you, uh, I really love James Gunn's Suicide Squad, 
um, and was saddened by the fact that it didn't do nearly as well at the box office as it deserved. I totally agree with you, Martin. I saw a report today that James Gunn is saying that one of the characters that we thought was dead is actually alive. According to Nathan, uh, according to Gunn, Nathan Fillion's TDK, the detachable kid, is actually still alive. Does this mean that he has a future plan for the character? What do you think? All right. So in case the question itself doesn't kind of make it obvious and give it away a little bit, this topic will involve a little bit of spoilers with the Suicide Squad. But the reality is, since it's available on HBO Max, if you guys had any, if there's any of you who have any interest in watching Suicide Squad, you would have watched it by now. If not, you may want to go away for a few minutes as we are going to talk about a spoiler thing here regarding the movie. So you've been warned. So as we know, in Suicide Squad, in the very first act of the film, that almost that one entire team gets wiped out on the beach. And some of it very surprising. Some of it like boomerang dying on the beach in the first, like that was kind of surprising. But the other one, of course, was TDK, the the detachable kid played by Nathan Fillion, who likes popping up in James Gunn films. So he's one of the guys that gets blown away, right? Well, maybe not. Because according to James Gunn, he pointed out that actually, guys, he didn't die in the movie. James Gunn was, uh, got on social media and he said this. Important to note, as I accidentally click on it, important to note, if you look at the life signals in the comms hub, TDK isn't dead so what he's saying here is you know how when they would cut back to home base they would have all the team members vital signs on the screen right and they all start to flatline well gun says and i never noticed this rob but gun is saying if you look at the vital signs tdks don't flatline and he's saying that the detachable kid is actually still alive okay that's fascinating to me that's absolutely completely fascinating Here's the problem. On the one hand, I believe, Rob, that yes, that means that James Gunn, by making sure that one little detail was left in there in the movie, that clearly tells us that James Gunn had more plans for Nathan Fillion in the Suicide Squad and in the DC Universe as the detachable kid. Clearly, he had more plans. However, Rob, and I don't know how you feel about this, The flip side of that coin is it doesn't matter if he had future plans for Nathan Fillion and TDK because as much as this movie deserved to be a billion dollar film, it it flopped. Not only did it have a fairly weak opening weekend, it didn't have the worst opening weekend, but a fairly weak opening weekend followed by a disastrous second weekend drop, like an over 70% drop in its second weekend, kind of condemning it and dooming it. I just don't see how either A, James wants to go back and make another one of them, or B, that Warner Brothers, regardless of who owns them, is going to want another Suicide Squad movie or another movie that revolves around the characters that were involved in Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn maybe being an exception. Now, all a studio can do, Rob, is the only thing a studio can ask of a director is make a great movie. 
That's all the studio can ask a director to do. It's not the director's responsibility to market the film, to sell the film, anything. It is the director's responsibility to make the best film possible. And James Gunn certainly did that. And I know, you know, Walter Hamada has already said, yeah, we're going to do more with James Gunn, but I don't think it'll be Suicide Squad and I don't think it'll be TDK. Anyway, Rob, you see James Gunn saying this. He's saying that TDK is still alive. Number one, what do you think about that? Do you think that means he had future plans? And do you think we could see these future plans come to fruition? Well, you know, they have made a Peacemaker series, obviously. <laughs> That's true. But that was done before the movie ever came out. Right. But I I, I think they knew if he was going to survive in the movie. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Nathan Fillion is obviously a great friend of James Gunn's, as we, we both have our, our big love for Slither, John. And um, I think that it it's very possible that we might see this character show up in the Peacemaker show. By the way, they, I guess they released for DC Fandom that we're going to talk about. Um, they released a really funny picture of a car from Washington State with a Washington State license plate that has a DC Fandom bumper sticker and Peacemaker's driving and he's giving us the peace sign. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I look, that character was wacky and I loved it. And I, I think that, you know, uh, I, I, I'm willing to go 50% or over that that character shows up in the Peacemaker series. You know what? I... I didn't even think about that. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. That makes total sense. If you're showing him still alive and then they went right in and made the Peacemaker series, it probably totally makes sense that TDK would show. I, I, and you know, I'll even take your line on it. 50%. I think, I think, see, see, that's why you get paid the big bucks, Rob. I mean, that makes, that makes absolutely, that makes absolute sense. I love it. Anyway, guys, the question for you is, what do you think about this? Did you notice? Cause I never did. I never noticed. In the in the movie, watching it, that TDK's vital signs were still active. I never noticed it. Did you? What do you think about the fact that he's still alive? Do you think we're going to see him upcoming in the DC universe? Maybe in Peacekeeper, Peacekeeper, maybe in something else. Whatever you guys think, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Jacob Hanna, who writes, Get excited, John! DC has just dropped their promo for the new DC Fandom on October 16th, one week after James Bond No Time to Die. The one last year was amazing, and a much-needed break from all the COVID stuff we were dealing with at the time, and this year will be no different. What did you think of the promo Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in Jacob. And yeah, listen, I got to say, you're absolutely right. What DC and Warner Brothers were able to pull off for DC Fandom last year was really good. It was really good. And I'll be honest with you. I had my doubts because, you know, how good can you really make it as a virtual event? Like San Diego Comic-Con did it as a virtual event. Don't get me wrong. They had some good stuff at it. They totally did have some good stuff at it. But it's just... You just look at the viewership numbers. They were pretty low. Like it just, people want to be at these things in person. So I had my doubts about how good fandom would be, but they did a pretty good job. And I'm not talking about dropping trailers and footage because you don't need an event to do that. They can just go on YouTube and drop that stuff anytime they want. But they made some really good panels and discussions and the stuff with Walter Hamada was fantastic. And the way he would describe multiverse and all things, the stuff they did about, 
you know, all the Batman who've all the guys who voiced the Batman in all the different countries and different languages. That kind of stuff was awesome. And then the panels themselves, when they did do proper panels for some of the movies, was great. Look, I didn't end up liking Wonder Woman 84 all that much, but the panel for Wonder Woman 84 was wonderful. The panel discussion for Suicide Squad was wonderful. They did a really good job with that last year. Totally did. I still think in-person cons are a thousand times better, but since that wasn't an option, what they did, they did, Rob, I'll say it, to near perfection. Near perfection, they pulled that thing off with. I, I I agree. So now we've got this new one, and they launched a promo for it that is terrible. It's terrible. The promo they just launched for it is utterly terrible. It did. There's like if you're gonna give us a trailer for something, give us a taste. Give us a taste of what we're gonna get when we tune in to watch. DC fandom and there was nothing there literally was nothing that we haven't already seen but Judd uh, you want to reveal that stuff at DC I get it I'm not saying show us a two minute clip of the flash but give us a taste just a split sec I don't know I thought frankly I thought it was a pretty lazy promo I thought it was a pretty lazy promo does that make me not interested in DC fandom, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I'm still very excited to see this because they're going to feature a lot of stuff. For instance, in the movie area, they're going to be featuring an exclusive new trailer for the Batman. By the way, I'll talk about some of the Batman stuff I saw at CinemaCon. Um, they, they're they going to show an exclusive new trailer for the Batman, new content for DC League of Super Pets. Yeah, who cares? Uh, a first look at Black Adam. Yes. A sneak peek at The Flash. Yes. A behind the scenes look at Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Yes. And Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Again. Oh my. Yes. Uh, also, on top of all that, on the television side, an exclusive look at HBO Max Peacemaker, maybe with TDK. Yes. Uh, DMZ, Aquaman, King of Atlantis. I'm assuming that's animated. Uh, and Batman. Batman Cape Crusader, which is also animated. New looks at returning HBO Max favorites. Doom Patrol, yes. Titans, who cares? Harley Quinn, yes. And Young Justice Phantoms. Uh, look at the new seasons of CW, Batwoman, The Flash, Superman and Lois, and Netflix's Sweet Tooth. And a farewell tribute to Supergirl. A 100th episode celebration for Legends of Tomorrow. A first look at Naomi. And a sneak peek at Stargirl. So, this is all... This is an impressive lineup, Rob. This is all good-looking stuff that they've got here. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a little bit about the Batman. They showed us a great feature on the upcoming Batman, and they showed us some great footage, and... I am personally very excited for the Batman. I mean, look, when that first trailer dropped, we all got excited at DC Fandom last year. They're going to drop a brand new trailer at DC Fandom this year. It looks fantastic. It really does. I mean, the stuff they showed us, we got our first really good look at Kravitz as uh, Catwoman. I loved her look. Loved, 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 loved her look because it feels very... You know how Daredevil's first outfit in the Netflix series was like really you know, sketch. It was like all like something he made pulling stuff out of a, of a, out of a drawer in his bedroom. That's what the Catwoman thing kind of looks like, but it totally mm. makes sense. And in this gritty world, it worked for me. And I'm like, that fits so perfectly. I loved what I saw. 
they showed more stuff with Gordon, more stuff obviously with Batman and all that kind of stuff. It just looks so great and I cannot wait. Very excited to see what they're going to present us with Aquaman. Obviously, Black Adam, obviously Shazam, uh, obviously The Flash. Hopefully, we're going to get a, like a real... They've been filming The Flash for a while now, so hopefully they'll have enough to give us a little... You know, even if it's like a 30-second little sizzle, they'll have something there to show us for that. So I, I'm very, very not interested in the television side other than Doom Patrol uh, and obviously Harley Quinn. But they still have a lot of other stuff there that's fan favorites as well. But Rob, I got to say, the thing I am most interested in is two things that aren't mentioned in the press release. Mm. One is those special panels that they did at DC Fandom last year that weren't connected to any of these other things, right? Like the Walter Hamada panel, the Voices of the Batman panel. It's those special ones that they do that really give the personality to this event and is kind of, to me, the beating heartbeat of it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they present there. And again, I'm not expecting that, they're, that they'll advertise it, but I'm looking forward to that. The second thing I'm going to be very interested in is this. Are there actually going to be any announcements? And I'm not sure that there are. Like, are there going to be uh, s- significant announcements of things we had no idea about? Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce <laughs> that... Henry Cavill returns in Man of Steel 2. Like, it's something like that, right? Ladies and gentlemen, Lobo, the motion picture. That is what I'm really excited about. What are the announcements going to be? What are the special panels going to be? I'm looking forward to all this other stuff, but Rob, let's be honest. All this other stuff is stuff they can just drop on YouTube anytime they want. Anytime they want, they can drop that stuff. I'm really looking forward to the announcements and their special things that really will hold it all together as a glorious event. They did such a great job with it last year. I believe they're going to do it again this year. Rob, you look over that list. What things are standing out to you and are you looking forward to the new DC fandom and and what other things would you hope to see there? Well, I think like you, I mean, I was impressed with, I mean, yeah, was it a sales thing? Sure. But I liked it. Like, I really enjoyed the way they did it. I think they really understood the people that put it on understood, well, fans. And uh, go figure. Uh, I really enjoyed the information they provided. It got me excited. You know, a lot of it was so canned. Like, here are our fans chiming in. I mean, I look, I get all that's fine. I was fine. But I, the information they gave us was great. I get excited. I, all of the, dude, I'm, I'm really excited about this entire slate. I mean, maybe not so much the, the the CW or the Titans or some of the CW shows. I mean, that's fine. But I mean, come on, Black Adam and Shazam. I'm hoping, dude, if they're going to reveal anything, you said they might not, they probably won't reveal anything. I agree with you. However, I have no reason to believe this, but I think, I think Henry Cavill's going to be in Black Adam as Superman. And I think they're going to announce it there. Really? Yeah. Now, listen. Now I, have, I have, I have, this is me pulling out of the ether a hope and a dream I have. But we both have talked about they're represented by the same agents, right? Yep. And they, they've talked about, uh, I mean, uh, there's been, Dwayne Johnson has talked about wanting Henry Cavill or being in the movie. We got a taste of, of Henry Cavill's Superman, even though it wasn't Henry Cavill, at the end of Shazam. 
And, I, you know, if anybody could arrange – look, Dwayne Johnson is probably the most savvy and canny actor in terms of doing business. I mean, his social media game, Instagram game is on point. He's no dummy. If he wants to get Black Adam to be over the top, to, to break the internet, he just has to bring Henry Cavill on. He doesn't have to say anything. He says, you know, it is the DC fandom event, and I'm, I'm not going to say why, but let me introduce my new friend or my, my old friend and just have him walk on. Well, it's nice to see you, buddy. See you later. They don't even have to say anything. They'd break the internet. Come on. Okay, so here's... Here's the interesting thing about that. And by the way, they're going to do the same thing. If Ben Affleck is indeed in the flash, they're going to show a shot of them together. Well, okay, look, one year ago, one year ago, we got on our show and we, we reported that Henry Cavill was again talking to Warner Brothers executives about returning as Superman. Remember that? Mm-hmm. What we did not know was what would that look like? Would it be for a literal Man of Steel 2? Would it be as a, a secondary character in somebody else's movie, like a Shazam? Because that would make sense, considering that Superman, tech, it wasn't Henry Cavill, but Superman shows up in the original Shazam. Or a Black Adam, and that's one that we talked about. Because, Rob, you mentioned that Henry Cavill is represented by Dwayne The Rock Johnson's ex-wife, who is still Dwayne The Rock Johnson's manager. They still have a, a pair. They still have a great relationship. They social media post about each other all the time. It's I mean, you never want to see a marriage end. But if a marriage ends, you, you love seeing stuff like that where they're still like best friends and they still actually work together and all that kind of stuff. But they are represent. They have the same representation. So Henry Cavill showing up. At DC Fandom, I will actually one-up you, Rob. I will say 70%. Now, I'm not going to say 70% that'll be Black Adam. But again, it was a year ago. And by the way, that report that we talked to you guys about, about Henry Cavill now in discussions with Warner Brothers to return as Superman in some capacity, that was verified also and and corroborated and backed up by Variety and The Hollywood Reporter. They also both said, yep, we are hearing Henry Cavill is speaking with Warner Brothers. So I would say 70% chance that Henry Cavill pops up in some recorded message at DC Fandom, says, I can't wait to return as Kal-El in... I don't know, Zach's Shazam 2 or my friend Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam or, <laughs> or listen, it's still, listen, I've been telling you guys for a long time. I am not saying there's going to be a Man of Steel 2, but I've been telling you for a long time, Man of Steel 2 is still a possibility. It is still a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it is happening. I'm just saying it's something that is still on the table. And when they announced when JJ when they announced that JJ Abrams produced Superman that they're going to be doing with the Black Superman that is outside of the DCU, what did I say? I said what this means is they're not replacing Henry Cavill in the DCEU as Superman. 
That actually means if you're somebody like me, who Henry Cavill is your favorite Superman, if you are somebody like me, when they announced the new JJ movie, to me, that was actually encouraging, not only because, hey, we're going to get a cool new story, but also it keeps the door open that Henry Cavill is still our Superman in the DCEU. Is he for sure? I'm not saying that. Are we definitely going to get a Man of Steel 2? I'm not saying that. Let's be clear. But Rob, I will say a 70% chance that Henry Cavill shows up at DC Fandom to announce that he is appearing again as Superman in insert name of project here. So Rob, let me ask you this. If it's not Man of Steel 2, and it's not, I'm having a very hard time moving the fingers on this hand. For those who don't know, I ripped the ligaments that. If it's not Man of Steel 2, if it's not Shazam, and if it's not Black Adam, I'll tell you what it's going to be. Ooh. It's going to be Flash. Because in that, those leaked, those revealed uh, art pieces from Flash, in a couple of the pieces of art, there were characters that were specifically blacked out. Like you could see Michael Keaton's Batman, you could see Flash, you could see some other characters. But in a few of those pieces, there were usually characters that were then blacked out intentionally. It's like, okay, so there's a character there. Now, that guy could be anybody. That could absolutely be anybody at all. Um, So who knows? But I think if it's not a Man of Steel 2 that they announce, and if it's not that he's appearing in Black Adam, and it's not that he's appearing in, um, in Shazam, I think it'll be Flash. So a lot of possibilities. Rob, which one, aside from Black Adam which makes kind of the most sense because of the representation. If Henry Cavill is going to pop up in something, if he's going to show up at DC fandom and announce he's returning as Superman, what project is most, is it most likely to be? If not, if not black Adam, I should say. Well, I mean, I got to go with you on, on the flash because that makes the most sense, you know, of, of everything, because obviously it's another, we're looking into the multiverse. We're looking into the flashpoint paradox. We're so I, I think that would, that would make the most sense. And obviously, if Ben Affleck's in the movie and Ezra Miller's in the movie, to have Henry Cavill in the movie, I mean, it would be like Justice League 2. Or it's like Zack Snyder's Justice League 2, directed by Andy Muschietti. I mean, you know, it's it 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 that I think you're you could be right about that. It's funny, I didn't think about that till you just brought it up. I was so convinced he's gonna be in Black Adam, but I Flash seems like the way to go. And, you know, they're stacking that movie up. I mean, that movie is a lot of people. It's almost like he's a guest star in his own film. But I like Ezra Miller's take on The Flash. So I'm looking forward to it either way. But I think you might be right about that. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this announcement of DC Fandom? I I thought the announcement, by the way, for those of you who are watching live, for those of you who are watching live right now, we did put up a, a, a poll in the live chat so and in the poll we're simply asking the question where does henry cavill appear if he appears at all does he appear do they announce him that he's going to be in man of steel 2 do they announce he's going to be in black adam do they announce he's going to be in the flash or do they announce he's going to be shazam we have over 200 votes already i just put this up a few seconds ago uh now over 250 votes uh 14 are saying man of steel 2 uh 37 are saying black adam 40 percent of you are saying Flash, and 9% of you are saying 
Shazam. So we're going to leave that poll up there now as we close in on 400 votes. Uh, so that's in there in the live chat for those of you guys who are watching live. If you want to go ahead and say your voice now, Black Adam and Flash are almost tied. Black Adam's at 38%. Now they are tied. Black Adam and Flash are both sitting at 38%. Shazam is at 10%. Man of Steel 2 is at 14%. It's going back and forth, back and forth, ladies and gentlemen. So there it is. Question is for you guys. What do you think of the whole DC fandom thing? I thought the announcement itself was rather pathetic. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought it was a terrible way to announce it. At least put some effort into it, you lazy asses. But I think the event is going to be great. And there's a lot right. of cool things they've got lined up there. I think there are going to be some great surprises. Where do you do you think Henry Cavill is going to show up at this thing announcing that he's returning as Kal-El? Whatever you guys are thinking about this, jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's now move on and start taking your live comments and questions. Uh, once again, if you want to send in a live comment or questions, simply use the tip link that's down in the description below. Just click on it there, or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question right on the show here, if it's appropriate for the show. And of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us here at the John Cabot Show, thank you guys for your support. And by the way, our friend Sean's World sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Sean's World. Appreciate that, man. Okay, that down. Let's get on over to your live questions here, shall we? And we're going to start things off here with uh, Lade Weinberger, who writes, Hey, John and Rob, greetings from Israel. Well, greetings, my friend. I don't think shalom. Disney. Oh, can you hear me, Rob? Yeah, I said shalom. Oh, shalom. I thought you said hello. Shalom. <laughs> Greetings from Israel. I don't think Disney will agree to introduce new to the MCU non-Sony owned characters in No Way Home, which is a Sony film, such as Daredevil or Mephisto. Uh, that's why I don't believe Matt Murdock will be Peter's lawyer. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, look. Uh, first of all, a couple things. Uh, first of all, Ms. Marvel sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Ms. Marvel, as well as Daniel Yusuf sends in a super chat badge as well. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Listen, I, I've i said it all along. I don't think Matt Murdock is showing up in it, period. I don't think he is. Now, be very clear. He could. I have not heard from anybody inside Marvel tell me, hey, John, just so you know, yeah, Matt Murdock, you know, Cox is not, Charlie Cox is not showing up in this movie. No one's told me that, but I, I just think, I just don't think he will. I do think Andrew and Toby will, even though there's nothing to officially back that up with, but I believe they will. Uh, I believe a number of things about the movie, but I do not think he's going to pop up in there. I really don't. Um, and if he does, I don't think he will be, it's possible that he shows up, that Charlie Cox shows up, but that he's not actually Daredevil. I, I think kind of like how, you know, with Quicksilver in uh, Rob, Quicksilver in um, WandaVision, right? You yeah, can get an still, actor I in still there. don't know what all that meant. It meant it, it was a misdirect for the audience. It was all in fun. It was great. I love that. Anyway, uh, so it's possible that Charlie Cox shows up in, in this and he's not Daredevil. That makes perfect sense. Anyway, Rob, what do you think the chances are that we see a Charlie Cox either as Daredevil or not or not at all? Well, what do you think of the chances of him showing up in Spider-Man No Way Home? I mean... <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home at this point, I mean, they've they kind of have done the same thing to us they've done with WandaVision. I mean, everybody expects it's Mephisto instead of Doctor Strange. Charlie Cox is going to show up. We're getting Tobey Maguire and 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 uh Andrew Garfield. I mean, all of this could be true. 
But I, you know, if, if they just had Cox playing Matt Murdock, I think that would be kind of cool. It doesn't commit him to anything. Clearly, he could be in a different future. There's no reason why they couldn't bring him into that because once the spell is cast and it's not the reality that we know and love because that's why he can't find his way home to his own reality, they could easily put him in there. I could see him showing up. That doesn't mean he's in the MCU, though. It means he's in whatever alternate reality was created because I'm not convinced that I think that it might be our Peter Parker who journeys into a different universe as opposed to the other way around. All right. That's why it's called No Way Home. Uh, and by the way, just want to throw in here our friends Dragon 10 um, and uh, Gaz and Fluffy. <laughs> sends in like a $20 super chat badge uh, in there. Thank you so much, man, for that, as well as Dante. He sends in a super chat badge as well. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show like that. All right, let's move on to the next uh, the next question here. This one comes to us from uh, Preach More writes, how did you feel about the Aquafina-Shang-Chi controversy? It's really not much of one, to be honest. Um, black, uh, black Twitter was annoyed by her and others' continued use of black accents and approaching appropriating black culture to get on, then dropping the cultural accents once prestige projects are in sight. Um, I, I honestly think it's a non-issue. There's not really that many people that are complaining about it. It's a small group of people. And, by, and if you ever just hear Aquafina talk off-camera... That's how she talks. Right. If you ever watch her comedy or see interviews with her, that's how she talks. It's a product of where she was raised and how she grew up. It, it, it's to me. And listen, I'm not planting a flag in this. I don't give a shit. This has nothing to do with me, so I don't care. But I mean, it's kind of like accusing Henry Golding, who is Asian, of appropriating English culture by having an English accent. Well, that's because where he was. That's how he grew up. That's that's where he, I don't. I, again, I honestly, personally, I feel it's a complete non-issue. Personally, but again, I'm not invested in this issue. I just don't care about it. I, I really don't care. So, I, personally, I think it's a non-issue. By the way, our friend Sean's World also sends in a super chat badge in live chat. Thank you, Sean's World. Appreciate that, man. All right, let's keep moving on here. Uh, next up, my comic tea is a stadium. Writes. Hey, John and Rob, I'm a fan and supporter of cinema, but take me on a tour of the Campia Crystal Ball. How do $200 million production budget movies exist um, exist in the future with direct-to-consumer tech so cutting edge? Also, can we achieve the same quality without such big budgets? Uh, thanks for writing that in, my comic thing. Look, we've walked through this a number of times. The reality is this. If direct to consumer, if, if streaming becomes the absolute norm, which I don't think it will, but if it does become the absolute norm, you are going, you and I are going to see, we're already seeing Robbie. Th this isn't even a debate. It's not right. about if we're going to see it happening. We already see it happening. It's already happening. Yeah. What you're going to see is, is a massive shift. Look in movies in general, there's already a ratio of how many for every hundred movies that come out, a certain percentage of them are good. A certain percentage of them are bad. Streaming original movies are way skewed negative when it comes to the ratio of good ones to bad ones. It's like nine pieces of shit for every decent film that gets released on streaming as far as streaming originals go. And they're trying to do them with lower and lower and lower and lower budgets because they know they don't have to put much effort into them. They just know they don't. We talked about Jason Blum and the other producers saying, yeah, we just we know we don't have to worry about it that much. You know, just crank it out, 
crank it out. And two or three movies a year, a streamer will put some energy into to make it look like they're trying. And then the, the rest of them are crap. So it's, look, the more resources you give something, the better chance you give it of being good. That doesn't mean the more resources you put into something, it will be better. Not at all. We've seen that. We've seen that like a, a thousand times. But the more dedicated resources you give something, the more resources you give a director, the better chance they're going to have to really bring their vision to life. And sometimes, unfortunately, that means money. But then again, we've seen some of the best movies ever made have been made for a million dollars or less. So it's just it's just about what the whole future is. So anyway, my comic tea, it's a much bigger discussion than we have time for here right now. But I will basically say, yeah, you're going to see the disappearance of the studios giving a crap about how really good their movies are and just can it be good enough to keep people subscribed to the streaming platform. And that's pretty much it. Anyway, Rob, you got two cents you want to throw in here? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that obviously when you have all the money you need, you've got all the resources, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a great film. It still comes down to creativity and ability in terms of maximizing your um, creative vision. And I, I think the real problem is nowadays is I don't necessarily think people recognize the great stories that I see a lot of streaming movies are very formulaic. They're falling back. It, it, they're always like something else. I think that what streamers need more of is originality because what we're getting is we're getting second rate versions of something we've already seen. Like, look, I like the old guard but it's kind of a repackaged Highlander in a way. And, and while I thought it was competently made, I didn't think the story transcended the material. And that's not something that costs money. That's something that you have to have. That's the foundation of what you're making. I thought what they had, it was really well made. I just thought it was less interesting than it should, than it should have been. And that's a script writing issue. And I think that's where these movies are letting us down. Uh, by the way, I just want to point out our friend, um, uh, Connie Sang sends in a super chat badge. Thank you, Connie. Oh, not only she, she's she's a friend of both of our channels. She is a Connie. definite friend of our channels. Thank you, Connie. And our friend Jay Master sends in like a $50 super chat badge in the live chat. Jay, thank you very much, man, for supporting our channel. I mean, thank you to everybody who is, but Jay, that's really generous. Thank you so much for that, dude. Appreciate that a lot. Okay, let's keep moving on here. Uh, next up, we've got D.A. Miller who writes, Hello, John and Rob. I just started getting my 4K versions of the MCU. Yes, I'm a physical media man like Rob. I just That's watched I The Incredible Hulk, and I finally found this uncredited actor in it. I have seen it before, but there was this filthy actor. Love ya. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I I do. I'm in a couple of scenes of that Incredible Hulk movie, of uh, Edward Norton's Incredible Hulk movie. If you blink, you'll miss me in every single time. A few people have sent me images that they thought is where they saw me, but they were wrong. A few people have sent me images where they thought they saw me and they were right. But I, I'm not. I'm still going to leave it a mystery. I'm still going to leave it a mystery, but I'm glad you're able to find it, D.A. Miller, if indeed you did find it. All right, next up. Uh, Super K Worker 9000 writes, Had to comment again, Holland will stay at the Sonyverse at the end of No Way Home because he can't go home. Also, growing up in Hong Kong, Tony Leung is my favorite actor. Aaron yep. said there were subtitles. Do you know if that they were speaking Cantonese or Mandarin? No pun intended. You know what? I meant to ask my wife that. Um, I don't know. I was wondering that same question. 
when because in a lot of there's a there are chunks of the movie where they're speaking Chinese, right? And they have subtitles. I don't and I was I remember thinking wondering to myself, are they speaking um are they speaking Mandarin or a Chinese or, or Cantonese? And I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to guess Cantonese. But I could be way wrong. If you guys know in the live chat, Rob, have you heard? Did you know? Uh, for yeah, sure? I don't know. So I don't know if you guys in like Connie is saying Mandarin. They're speaking Mandarin. So uh, there's so so if Connie's saying Mandarin, there you go. I'll take her word for it. But yeah, it's it's great. And by the way, guys, Tony Leung is awesome in this movie. The so M- awesome. The MCU does not, with the exception of a few, obviously Thanos, Killmonger, Loki. Generally speaking, the MCU does not do a great job with their antagonists. This is one of those exceptions like Killmonger, Thanos, Loki. This is one of those exceptions. Tony Leung is awesome in this. All right. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we go to where are we at? We are at that was Super K. Uh, Jay Bling writes. Terry Crews's absence from Expendables. Yeah, I, I remembered this afterwards, and you're right about this. Uh, from Expendables 4 is easy to explain. When he accused that agent of sexual assault, Avi Lerner, head of Millennium Films, told him to withdraw his accusation. Cruz refused and stated that he wouldn't return to the Expendables franchise. Rob, I, we even we talked about this uh, when it was all coming up, and I totally forgot. Yeah. So for those of you who missed it, when... Yesterday, they announced that there was going to be an Expendables 4, and they listed all these people coming back, and we said, man, it's really interesting that Terry Crews is a mission. How do you do this without Terry Crews? And I totally forgot about that whole thing. We even talked about it on our show way back in the day when it was going on. I totally forgot about that, but you're right. It should absolutely be no surprise, understanding that older story, that Terry Crews is not returning. And uh, and uh, I support Terry Crews. Anyway, Remmer Bulldog writes, Theory, what if Doctor Strange is the true villain of Spider-Man No Way Home? Something seems off with him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, a lot of people have mentioned that. A lot of people have said that they thought Doctor Strange seems a little bit off. Either it's a different Strange or it's not actually Doctor Strange or something like that. It's a possibility and a lot of people are running with it. So I don't personally believe that, but it, it is a predominant theory right now and it could be. So let's see how it plays out. All right, Remember Bulldog also writes, Hey, John, I see people always criticize Marvel for their comedic moments, and their major complaint is that it takes away from the series from the serious moments why there's some jokes that don't land in every MCU movie. I believe the majority other jokes work thoughts. Well, I mean, that's why Marvel usually wins, Rob. Marvel has found a, a way to balance heaviness with levity in a way that has been incredibly crowd-pleasing. Yep. Like incredibly crowd pleasing, pleasing. They know when things start to get a little too heavy, lighten the mood a bit. But at the same time, when things start to get a little bit too light, something serious happens. You know, they have found a way to find that balance. And honestly, for me, I think people are just looking for things to try to criticize the MCU over because they have just done nothing but have triumphant victory after triumphant victory. Iron Uh-oh. Man, Iron Man we- two, notwithstanding. Thor: The Dark World, notwithstanding. That piece of shit show, Agents of Shield, notwithstanding. Uh, Iron Fist, notwithstanding. To me, Jessica Jones, notwithstanding. But that's like five or six things out of like twenty-five to thirty things, and they they usually knock it out of the park. But Rob, they're not the only ones to, to do it. Like, nope. I thought she was with you. Like, oh my god. Like, I like Batman versus Superman very much. I'll even defend the Martha scene. 
I even made an entire video called defending the Martha scene. And I still do defend the Martha scene. I defend the Martha scene, but oh my God, that was like one of the worst things in any DCU movie. Like there's this thing, you got Superman, Batman, Warmer, stands side to side. You got Doomsday over there and this music, da, 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 and out of nowhere, is she with you? I thought she was with you. Da, 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 da. Right. I mean, that was a terrible spot for it. And listen, Marvel has hit the wrong note. Absolutely. When you do as many movies as they do, absolutely. Sometimes they'll hit the wrong note with a humorous part. Absolutely. They do. But they hit the right mark far more often than they hit the wrong mark, in my opinion. I don't know, Rob, how would you address that? Well, you know, it's funny because I was curious. I was worried about the humor that was in the trailers for Shang-Chi. But as a story point and as the characters are introduced, all of the humor in that movie is incredibly well earned. And it's all based in character. And once you see how they do that, the humor is it, it is very much establishing a relationship between our characters because they're I mean, I don't think it's really been hit upon. It's not really a spoiler to say that Shang-Chi and Aquafina have been friends and they've grown up together. You know, they're like the best of friends. And so all of their rapport is based on the fact that they've known each other for a long time. You know, they, they grew into adulthood together so they can finish each other's sentences. So the humor between them makes a lot of sense. And I didn't find it grating. I found it refreshing. I found it one of the one of the things about Shang-Chi is the relationship between Aquafina and and uh, Simu Liu is is really good. Yeah. And that's one of the things that made it so entertaining. I mean, it's you know, it's funny. I, I, I'm a huge fan of, of Friday Night Lights and uh I, I just for whatever reason I, I clicked on it's on Netflix now it's one of my favorite TV shows of all time and one of the Matt Landry and, and Matt Saracen were talking and it it just they have this banter these two friends they've known each other for a long time and I'm it reminded me I'm like well that's kind of the reason I like Shang Chi as much as I did was the relationships between the characters and it's also what makes the movie so much fun because that movie is wildly entertaining because they do a really good job establishing humorous relationships between the characters that are earned that are earned by the way uh, i just want to point out here that our friend dante sends in a super chat badge in the live chat thank you so much for that dante also i should address this really quick uh, some, some people in the live chat are confused because i mentioned when they start speaking chinese and i didn't know if they were speaking mandarin or cantonese i was going to turn to Anne and ask her a lot of people saying wait a minute john your wife is filipino do you just assume because she's asian she can no 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 my, th- my wife is also part yeah. chinese my wife is also, she is, I mean, she's, if you ask her, my wife is Filipino, but she is also part Chinese. So that's why I was going to ask Anne uh, what, which dialect they spoke because one of her grandparents was Chinese. So anyway, that's, that's why I was saying that just to alleviate any confusion. No, not all Asians speak all the Asian languages. That's not what I was trying to get at. All right. Next up, uh, we go to uh, Jason, uh, Jason in Prescott writes. On Dodgeball's opening night, a woman poked me whenever Alan Tudyk appeared. When his name popped up in the credits, she leaned over and said, that's my son. Oh, that's awesome. I was in awe. By the way, Candyman 2021 is atrocious. Only one and a half minutes are worth watching. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see it because of all the the mayhem and all the backup of of my schedule because of CinemaCon and everything. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I've heard some pretty decent things about it, though, Jason. Anyway, I love Alan Tudyk. My favorite my favorite Alan Tudyk story, and Rob, I've told you this story before, yeah. but I was at Comic-Con, 
And I was in the press area walking by all these press rooms because I had just finished doing a couple of interviews. And I walked by the press room where they were doing interviews for Tucker and Tucker and Dale versus evil. I think that's yeah. the name of the movie. Tucker and Dale versus evil. Anyway, and Alan Tudyk is in it. I was walking with my cameraman at the time, uh, Chuck Norris, who you met. Uh, I was walking with my cameraman, Chuck Norris, and I see the poster for Tuck, uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil outside of their um, outside of their press room. And I see Alan Tudyk on the image and I turn to Chuck and I say, I love Alan Tudyk. And as I turn my head back around, Alan Tudyk was standing right there and he just looks at me and goes, I can't really thumbs up with this hand too. He gives me the double thumbs up and a big smile, then walks into the room. So that's my favorite Alan Tudyk. By the way, if you have not watched Alan Tudyk's new show, what the hell is it called again? Oh, the alien, 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 resident alien, resident alien. Is it resident alien? What's it called again? Resident, resident alien. It is awesome. I I love that show so much. I cannot wait. Uh, I cannot wait for that thing to come back. Okay, uh, let's keep on going here. Um, Jay Bling writes, saw Free Guy twice. The second time to recognize the voice cameos. I'll agree that it's not a video game movie, but since it's a comedy and there's a love element driving the story, could an argument be made that it's a rom-com? I think think you could say it's at least part rom-com. Yeah, I, I... Definitely. I would I would not argue against anybody who wanted to slap the rom-com label on it because definitely at least a part of it is a romantic comedy. It's more than that. It's one of those slash genre movies, right? You know, action slash comedy. It's it's rom-com slash other things as well. So but I wouldn't argue anybody, Jay Bling, who wanted to put that uh, put that on there. I love that movie, by the way. I love, 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 love Free Guy. It, you guys got to see Free Guy. It's so freaking delightful. Anyway, Jay Bling also writes, also, some people complained that uh, Chris Christoph Beck rehashed his Paperman score for Free Guy. I hadn't seen the Paperman short before, but I thought the score worked really well for Free Guy. Are you personally bothered by reworked scores? Not at all. Not if it works for the movie. At the end of the day, all filmmakers' number one responsibility is to make the best movie possible. And if for a composer, the music that really fits best and works best for this thing also sounds a lot like something they did for something else, I'm okay with that. That's their job. Their job is to make the best movie possible, and if that's what it takes for them to do it, then do it. I'm totally comfortable with it, and I thought the music worked really well um, in thing. And yeah, a lot of people in the live chat are saying, wait a minute, wait, you said Chuck Norris. Yes, my the name of my cameraman, one of my oldest friends in L.A., his name literally is, it's not a <laughs> nickname, his literal name on his birth certificate is Chuck Norris. Not the Chuck Norris you know, but his literal name is Chuck Norris. Uh, so there you go. Okay, uh, next up, uh, Fang Blaze writes, Hey, John, from the upcoming MCU projects, what's one movie uh, you would turn into a show? None. Uh, and one show that you would turn into a movie. Uh, personally, I would switch up Black Panther 2 into a show and Moon Knight into a movie. Um, well, here's the thing. Rob, there already is a Black Panther show coming. It's yep. it's it's going to be it's going to be called Wakanda Forever. So there's already a Black Panther show coming. I would absolutely turn Moon Knight into a feature film. I I yep. would 100% turn Moon Knight into a feature film. Don't get me wrong, I like the shows that they have done, but I am a much bigger fan of the art of movie storytelling. 
Um, and I just think there's far more impact that way, me personally. But I would I would definitely turn Moon Knight into it. Like She-Hulk, totally comfortable with that as a series. Ms. Marvel, totally comfortable with that as a series. Hawkeye, totally comfortable with that as a series. Moon Knight, I would turn into a feature film. Rob, what about you? If there was an MC, an upcoming MCU film that you would turn into a show and an upcoming MCU show you would turn into a movie, what would it be? Well, you know I would turn Moon Knight into a movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, you know, my love of Moon Knight is very well known on uh, on the interwebs, so it'd be Moon Knight, absolutely. But in terms of a show, I mean, if I was going to turn a movie into a show like an MCU uh that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, I mean, I like the movies so much, and the slate of movies they're making is appealing to me. So I don't, I don't know. There's no, there's no movie coming out from the MCU that they've announced that I would want to see as a show. There's because I love, like you, I love movies. Yeah, there is one that I would prefer as a movie, but could carry a lot of potential as a series. And I will say, and I'll tell you why, Eternals. And the reason I would say Eternals is because of the fact that these individuals have been on Earth for a thousand years. So you could theoretically like do a season of Eternals where like episode one is the first hundred years they were here. Yeah. Episode two is the second hundred years they were here. I mean, there it at least gives itself a narrative structure that you could do in a show format. Oh, for sure. So I would keep it as a feature film with the reigning defending best director in the world, Chloe Zhao, uh, directing the motion picture. Absolutely, I would keep it there. But if there was one that had real narrative potential to move into a series, I I would say Eternals, just for that reason, Rob. All right, uh, let's see here. Next up, we've got, uh, that was Fang Blaze. Uh, Super Korean Stoner writes, I love that name. (laughs) Hey guys, thank you for answering my question the other day. It was really awesome of you guys. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming out soon. I love their intro songs. What do you think their intro song might be this time? Mine is Magic by Pilot. Oh, no idea. Absolutely no idea. But I'll tell you what, it's probably going to be something that we don't expect at all because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I had never, before the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Rob, I had never heard of, hey, 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 what you doing with you? I had wow. never heard, come and get your love. I had never heard it. Never heard it. Or at, least, or at least I have no recollection of hearing it. And that was my first introduction to the song. And then I just fell in love with the song. But I, it's pro- to me, it's probably going to be something like that an obscure classic that maybe a lot of other people of, of our generation or younger may not be super familiar with. I, I don't know. So I, I, I can't even take a guess on it, but yeah, the soundtrack is always one of the interesting thing about the guardians movie. Rob, do you have a wild guess as to what the song might be that kicks off guardians three? Um, yes. Yes. Uh, renegade by sticks. Which one's that? Oh, mama, I'm in fear for oh, my life from that. the long arm of the the renegade who hasn't made retreat for a bounty. I, I never more to go astray. This will be the end today of the wanted man. I can what? just pick up my guitar if you want. If you want to make this like a full, you want Dude, to? Should, I'll pick it. up let's the guitar. Bust out some just, sticks. Um, that's actually that's not a bad that's not a bad guess. All right, it might be. You know what? It might be too much of a hit. Because one of the things I like is is 
those songs are not as well known, but Renegade's more well known. But I think it would be really cool over the Marvel logo. You know, if you hear that, oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the law. I mean, you know, because the, the I, I mean, the Ravagers or whatever. You could, I don't know. It might be too much. But if 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 it did, I'd lose my mind because I'm a huge Sticks fan. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next up, we got Dangerous D who writes. Hey, John, Expendables 4 is officially set. We talked about this yesterday. Uh, what if the Expendables would team up with the Suicide Squad? I'd pay money for Stallone and King Shark side by side. Statham and Deadshot complete. Who's a better shot? Uh, Harley interacting with Arnold. Talk about worlds collide. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's it's fun, but it would never happen. And, and the me- reason it would never happen is the reality is this. While the first one and two expendables movies did respectable business it's really a small franchise it's it's really is box office wise quite a small franchise and it's it's only shrunk after two so i don't think it would ever be i don't think they would ever pair those things up but rob i'm not gonna lie if if stallone came out and said hey we're actually doing a suicide squad uh expendables team up i'm not gonna lie to you i'd i'd watch the hell out of that <laughs> I, I would totally watch the hell out of it. i don't know would you be interested rob hell yeah That'd be hilarious. I, I think you could have a lot of potential there. Uh, all right. By the way, our friend Peter Pacheco sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate that, man. All right. We move on now here to who do we got next? We got Jeff DeSupertech, who tips in like $50. Thank you, Jeff, for supporting our channel on that level, man. It's incredibly generous of you, dude. Um, and Jeff writes, Hey, John, hope all is well. All is great. Thank you, man. Uh, I wanted to know if studios and or movie producers have made movies fully, but then never released them and put them away in a vault, never to be seen publicly. If so, do you think they might sell them now to streaming platforms? Thanks. I am sure I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I absolutely am sure that there have been movies that have been made that then they looked at and said, this is horrible and probably put it away. But here's the thing though, Rob, when they're expensive movies, you got to get something back for them. Right. Even if they end up being the world's biggest flops, like reminiscence, the Hugh Jackman film, that might be one of the biggest flops in the history of the world. But guess what? Even though it only made $2 million in opening weekend, that's $2 million they got back. So I, 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 I'm sure there's some, but very, very few. But then, Rob, you get movies like Death on the Nile that through no fault of anybody's other yeah. than Army Hammers, they are now stuck and they don't know what to do with that movie. So, uh, uh, Rob, can you think of any films? Are there any big stories about movies that got made and then they literally never saw the light of day? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Can you? Well, you know, it, it did see the light of day, but there's a movie called Supernova. That's Francis Ford Coppola was involved in. They had multiple directors come on board and try and fix it. So it's kind of a mess and it's a triage job. And the final version that came out, it's not, a, it did come out. It's not a great movie, but it's, it's a Frankenstein job. And that was always sort of interesting that that happened to that film. But, you know, you wonder, I always wonder having worked at a studio in feature production, I wonder how is it that, movies get that far down the line when people are like, um, this isn't working. I mean, I, you know, John, I tried to watch, I started watching the first, I watched first 20 minutes of reminiscence last night. And there's all this Hugh Jackman voiceover at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, I'll bet you that wasn't scripted. 
that they had the opening of the movie and they just expected people would get it. And the studio came in and said, no, no one understands what's happening at the beginning of this movie. So we have to have this unbelievably long. I mean, it was it was just not good. And I was watching this and I'm thinking, no, I think we all get them. People are looking in, back into their memories, but apparently people, the studio didn't. Or maybe that was how it was scripted. But if that's how it was scripted, I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'll go back to it, but I wasn't sold. Right. All right. Let's move on here. Next up, we've got Robert White who writes. And by the way, thank you again, Jeff, for sending that in. Man. I appreciate that. And by the way, speaking of thank you, people send things in. Uh, OMF Goats sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, OMF. And Sean's World sends in another one as well. Thank you, Sean's World, who's also a good Canadian kid, by the way. So thank you for sending that in, Sean. All right. Robert White writes. Hey, John, I'm not sure if this decision has already been made, but what would you think about Sony leaving the Tom Holland Spider-Man in the MCU and started a totally separate new Spidey uh, that better fits the tone of of the other Sony characters, Venom, uh, Morris, etc.? Here's the problem with that, Robert. It can never happen because Sony Marvel is not interested in paying however much they would have to pay Sony for the rights to use Spider-Man while Sony goes off and makes other live-action Spider-Man movies. Neither side wants that. Neither, Marvel absolutely does not want that. Sony doesn't want that. So I, I think the chances of, of us having two live-action Spider-Mans running around on screen, one in Sony's films and one in Marvel's films, I don't think that's something either studio wants, nor should they. I don't know, Rob, what do you think? Is that a possibility? I don't think so. I think what you said is absolutely correct. I mean, there's been a lot of people. I've never had people want to come debate us. You know, the last couple of days because of what we said about Spider-Man and the right situation yesterday. People like I'm either getting don't lie to your viewer or, you know, why are you why are you saying these things? It Look, it's academic. The fact is that Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, that they have a deal with Marvel is a good thing. But ultimately, you know, every company doesn't want to share the wealth. That's not how business works. I mean, it's working well for them now. But if Sony has establishes their own Spider-Verse with Into the Spider-Verse was a good start and Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Morbius, Craven, if they have established their own Spider-Verse, like I think it would be beneficial if they would up their deal and they would allow Spider-Man to appear but they're going to want to control that franchise eventually. Why share the wealth with somebody? And while it's mutually beneficial, once you get Tom Holland established and those Spider-Man movies are making a billion dollars, why do we share the wealth with anyone? I mean, it's just business 101. Yep. Yep, it is it is what it is, but you know, Rob, you know the way it is. People don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. <laughs> they don't, like if it's not what I they want to hear, they'll they just don't want to listen to it. They don't. Wanna, I mean, it is mutually beneficial. Now I can see that, but it absolutely is right. Absolutely, it is. It, yeah, it's not show friends. It's show business, and people want to do business. And if there's a chance that Sony could make say a hundred million more dollars by taking Spider Man in house, they'll do it. Well, because here's here, look. Here's the situation. This is how it benefits Sony. It benefits Sony because once you actually have Spider-Man back and you have him in your own Sony universe of films, not only are you going to make money on the Spider-Man films, you can make an argument, 
yeah, but the Spider-Man films will make more money at the box office if they're in the MCU. That might be true. That might be true. But it's all Sony's money. Even if it makes less at the box office, Sony ends up making more. On top of that, and this is the real important thing, all their other movies that are Spider-Man adjacent will become more popular. It's it's great that Venom can make $800 and Morbius is going to make whatever it's going to make and all that kind of stuff. That's great, and Kraven the Hunter, but... If you make Craven the Hunter and Morbius and Venom in an actual cinematic universe that you control that has a live-action Spider-Man in it, those movies will make more. I'm not saying they're going to be billion-dollar films. Not at all. I'm not saying that in the least. But if Sony had a live-action Spider-Man running around their universe, guess what? Their Venom movie's going to make more money. 10% more. 30% more, 50% more, 5% more, whatever number you want to attach to it, it's going to make more money. And therein lies. See, Sony doesn't just want Spider-Man back for the sake of Spider-Man movies. Sony wants Spider-Man back for the 18 other movies they want to make that will benefit by having Spider-Man in them. Now, Rob, you and I said yesterday, and I, I, I know we both still stand by this. It ain't done until the fat lady sings as the old, as the old saying goes, right? It ain't done. Right? I don't think there's anything is written in stone until the deal is finished. There is always a possibility that Sony and Marvel, like Sony may come back, or Marvel may come back to Sony and say, look, we'll give you 70% of the box office revenues if we can sign an additional three-film deal. That might be too good for Sony to pass. I don't know why Marvel would make that deal, but if they did present it, that might be too good for Sony to pass up. So, I mean, it's still possible. An extension can still be signed. I don't think they will, but it's totally on the table. Totally on the table. And, you know, we'll just see where things go. Yeah, I mean, everything is. Everything, it's business. That's why, you know, we're we're speculating here. Yes. But but obviously, I think they've got a mutually beneficial situation. But like you pointed out very astutely, Sony has other movies – Venom was no slouch at the box office, and I imagine that Carnage, Let There Be Carnage, won't be either. And um, those movies are not benefiting from the MCU, but they would benefit from Spider-Man. Yeah. So uh, just like you just got to understand what the benefit is to both sides, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I personally am very much liking the partnership between Sony and, and Marvel. Me too. I love it. I'm enjoying it very, very much, but we'll see where it goes. By the way, our friend Sean's World sends in another Super Chat badge, as does uh, L's World Studio sends in a Super Chat badge as well. Thank you guys for supporting us. Rob, I, we've taken you past 1130. I lost track of time there. Sorry about that. Uh, Rob, no thanks again for being here again today. We'll see you again tomorrow, of course. But in the meantime, time where can people follow you and your adventures online um you can follow me on instagram at robert meyer burnett follow me on my own youtube channel the burnett work and uh follow me on twitter at burnett rm and if you live in los angeles or new york go see tango shalom this weekend a movie i produced and edited that is in theaters all right dude thanks a lot for that great job as always and we'll talk to you again tomorrow have a good one man all right man i'll see you later ladies and gentlemen the one and the only the great Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, and if you live anywhere close to where a theater is showing Rob's new movie, Tangle Shalom, make sure you get out and support it this weekend. All right, let's keep moving on here. We still got a little bit of time left, as long as my hand holds out. All right, uh, Spencer Cooper writes, 
Um, have you seen Vacation Friends on Disney Plus, a star? Uh, it's not on Disney Plus. It's actually on um, Hulu, at least where I live. It's on Hulu. Have you seen Vacation Friends on Disney Plus with John Cena? Uh, it is hilarious, and he really looks good in it. Uh, it is it. Uh, it is worth it to check out. I have seen Vacation Friends. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. Hold on a second. Let me see if I can... Uh, let me see if I can bring it up here. So vacation friends, here it is. Okay. I don't know if any of you guys have heard this, but vacation friends, uh, is out now. It stars John Cena. And I forget the actor's name, the guy in the middle. He's also, he's Ryan Reynolds co-star in free guy. And I, I forget, I'm forgetting his name. It's Lil something, something. And I can't remember his name. If any of you guys in the live chat, remember his name, throw it on in there, but he's really good in free guy as well. He's really good in free guy. So he's a uh, little, little rel Howery. Uh, thank you, Simeon, who writes that in. So little rel, little rel, uh, who is great in free guy as Ryan Reynolds, his best friend. And he's in this movie vacation friends. He's kind of lead guy with John Cena. And this movie is not any good. This, this movie is just not any good uh, from my own personal opinion. Now I will say this. It definitely has its moments. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't laugh through it. There, there are definitely moments that I, I chuckled out loud. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if all you're looking for is to pop on something to get a couple of laughs in over an hour and a half, two hours, Vacation Friends might be the film for you. I, I just thought the laughs were too few and too far between. Uh, too few and too far between. Uh, again, it has its moments, some really funny moments, but not enough for me to feel like, oh yeah, it was totally worth... Oh yeah, it was totally worth watching this movie. Yeah, when it was, when it was over, I felt like... Um, I felt like I could have spent my time playing the ascent or so doing something else with my time than watching it. I, overall, I didn't think it was worth it. So I can't, um, I can't recommend it, but I will say it ain't the worst movie I've seen this year. It definitely has some moments. John Cena. I really liked Cena in suicide squad. I, I didn't think he was particularly strong in this one, but Hey, give it a shot. You may find it funnier than I did. Um, obviously, uh, Spencer Cooper really enjoyed it. So maybe you will too. Even I say that definitely had some laughs. So go check it out and let me know what you guys think about it. If you have, if you have a chance to check it out. All right. Next up, Fanimator writes, uh, buy one, rent one, lose one Avengers, 2012, dark Knight, and Logan. Yeah. I'm not going to play that game with those three. Those, those three to me, those are the three best comic book movies ever made in my opinion. In, in whatever order you want to put them in, Aven the original Avengers movie, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, and uh, Hugh Jackman's Logan. Those, to me, are the three greatest comic book movies ever. So I appreciate you asking, Fanimator, but I'm not playing the game. <laughs> I'm not playing the game with those three. Nope. Nope. Not playing the game with those three. All right, next up, Casey McNatt writes, uh, Hey, John and Rob, if he's there, he just missed Rob, unfortunately. Well, Rob, they finally did it. Uh, the show you love to hate will be back for another season. Yep. Netflix is greenlit a manifest season four and final season. I'm sure you're excited. Yeah. For those of you who haven't noticed that um, Rob 
I don't know why Rob watches Manifest. I tried watching Manifest for the first four or five episodes, I think. I can't remember how many I watched, but I like I gave up on it pretty early. I did not like that show. Rob hate watched it. I don't know why he kept watching. He watched all of it and he would always complain to me about it. But anyway, it got canceled, but its reruns were popular on Netflix. So Netflix has greenlit a fourth and final season. For those of you who are Manifest fans, the the news is good. You're going to get to see a final season that wraps it all up. So I'm actually, I don't watch the show, but I'm actually really happy for those of you guys who do watch it because it's always great when you get a show, a show is able to wrap things up. So I think that's great. All right, next up. We got Carlos Sosa who writes, uh, Hey John, do you plan on going to D23 next year? Absolutely. I am. Uh, I think I am. Last time I went was in 2017 and it was a great experience, uh, as a first timer. I remember seeing large scale statue reveals of Thanos's children, uh, the hi- and then hi- the hype for infinity war and got cool free swag. I love D23. I don't, I don't like it as much as say comic con, but D23 is great. And I was at the last one. I was there in person when, you know, they, when you and McGregor came out on stage and they announced that they were doing the Obi-Wan series and they announced a whole bunch of stuff. D23 is really fun. Again, not as good as Comic-Con, but really, really good. And so I absolutely plan uh, on being at the next one, whenever it is. I'm not even sure when it is, but I, I will definitely go 100% because I enjoy it that much. All right. Quentin uh, Shibusawa writes, In preparation for Shang-Chi, I finally started Kim's Convenience. Nice. Only like eight episodes in, but I completely love it. Mr. Kim reminds me of my grandfather. And if it wasn't for the fact that my grandfather is Japanese, I'm sure they would get along very well. Guys, I cannot, absolutely cannot recommend Kim's Convenience more. Let me see if I can bring this up here. Kim's Convenience... Now, for those, why are we talking about Kim's Convenience for those of you who don't know? Okay, so Shang-Chi is, stars Simu Liu. And Simu Liu comes from this little Canadian show, this awesome, awesome, awesome Canadian show that I only discovered like a year ago and completely fell in love with. And it's called Kim's Convenience. And it is all kinds of fantastic. And there, of course, you see Simu Liu. Now, besides Simu Liu... You might recognize the guy beside him. That's Paul beside Simu and Paul who plays Mr. Kim. Um, you might recognize him from Mandalorian season two. He was the X-Wing fighter pilot in, in uh, Mandalorian season two. And I'm sure we're going to see more of him. This show is unbelievably great. Unbelievably great. I'm going to tell you right now, and I know this is a little bit of Canadian bias. I understand that. But the two best comedies on television over the last five years are both Canadian. One is Eugene Levy's and his son Daniel Levy's uh, Schitt's Creek, which won like all the Emmy Awards. And the other one is this one, Kim's Convenience. This show is fucking amazing. And everybody on it is fantastic. So uh, if you want to get a little bit of prep, for uh, Shang-Chi, go see Simu Liu in Kim's Commands. It's on Netflix. Go and watch it. Uh, this thing, this show is absolutely unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. So, yes, you should uh, absolutely check it out. Uh, I cannot recommend Brendan. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, and the opening scene of episode one, I was choking on my soda. 
And I'll just tell you a couple. I'll tell you one sentence. Um, you get the gay discount. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Very first scene of episode one is a scene that I refer to as the gay discount. And the show just never stops after that. I love this damn show. It's so damn good. And Schitt's Creek is like one of the best things ever put on television in television history. It really is. It's, it's unbelievable. Anyway. All right, let's move on here. Uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you discovered it, Quentin. Next up, we got DWK 2000 who writes, Hey, John, did you ever watch uh, Maniac on Netflix? That's the Jonah Hill one. And I, I want to say that I did, but I don't think I did. Anyway, uh, the Carrie jo- uh, Joji Fukunaga uh, limited series starring Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. It's definitely one of my favorite things on Netflix has ever put out. Yeah, uh, never did. At least I don't think I did. Like, I'm saying that I didn't, but something in the back of my head is saying that I did. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that. I didn't, I know it got a lot of attention, but yeah, I don't think that I did. Uh, Seattle KO is saying I fell asleep during maniac in the live chat. So yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Thanks for that DWK. Next up, Tim Tracy writes, we just got a couple of minutes left here, guys. Tim Tracy writes, going to see Shang-Chi next Tuesday in IMAX. I cannot wait. Going to see free guy tonight. Nice. Going to be a good week. Cheers, dude. Listen, you're going to have a great time, Tim. Free guy is fantastic you're gonna have such a good time watching free guy it's great and then shang chi again i don't know if you guys are gonna like shang chi as much as i did or if you're gonna like it as much as rob did because you know whatever we're all different we, it, film is subjective it, movies hit us in different ways but i feel very very confident that you will at minimum like it I feel very confident in saying, I believe you will like Shang-Chi. Maybe not as much as me, maybe more than me, but I feel very confident you are at least you're going to like it. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're going to like it. It's uh, who and and for the rest of you, if you haven't seen Free Guy yet, what the hell are you waiting for? Go check out Free Guy if you are able to do so. Go and check out Free Guy. All right. Next up, uh, Tribal Chief writes. Wanted to give a shout out to Nia DaCosta for being, yeah, this is true with Candyman, right? We should have, I don't know why we didn't mention this on the show earlier. Anyway, Nia DaCosta for being the first black woman to have a number one film at the box office, a first black female director, not just first black woman. Lots, lots of black women have had a number one film at the box office, but the first Nia DaCosta has become the first black female director to have a number one film at the box office with Candyman. While I didn't love the film, it was okay. Her direction was great. Now cautiously optimistic for the Marvels, which of course Nia DaCosta is also doing. But yeah, that's a significant milestone. It is the first time in cinematic history that a black female director has had the number one film at the box office. And uh, I think it's a great sign that we're everything's heading in the right direction. Anyway, thanks for mentioning that, Tribal Chief. I don't know why we didn't mention that ourselves, so thank you for, for making up for our oversight. Uh, Donda writes, Another option for Sony, I believe, is to have either Toby, Andrew, or introduce Miles Morales into the Venomverse after No Way Home while Holland stays in the MCU. I know you say Marvel will never allow that. They never would. Uh, We'll never allow that. But hey, anything can be negotiated possible. Not going to happen. I mean, listen, anything's possible. Absolutely. But there are certain things that I feel pretty comfortable saying not going to happen. And while... It still is theoretically possible. Marvel, why would Marvel want to have, why would Marvel want to have a Spider-Man if there's another 
guy up the street doing live action Spider-Man. It makes Spider-Man less valuable to them if they're not the only place in town with Spider-Man, right? Um, it's just not worth it. Why would they pay Sony the type of money they would have to pay Sony while somebody else is also doing live action Spider-Man? And again, I know nobody likes hearing it, but Sony has made two Spider-Man movies that are better than anything Marvel has ever done with Spider-Man. I know that's an uncomfortable truth, but it's the truth. I mean, all film is subjective, of course, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah, I really like a lot Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. I really enjoy, I like those movies so much, but neither of them are as good as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse or Spider-Man 2. The fact of the matter is Sony has made better Spider-Man movies than Marvel ever has. They've also made worse Spider-Man movies than Marvel ever has. That's true too. But I mean, so why would, why would Marvel pay Sony $2 billion to be allowed to keep making four more Spider-Man films? If at the same time, Sony is just going to do their own live action Spider-Man. It, it just, it makes no sense for, for either Sony or for Marvel it makes no sense. So there could be a solution. But the solution won't be both of this, both of them doing their own live action Spider-Man. That won't, there, there's other solutions that they could, they could come up with, but that's not going to be one of them. So I don't know. We'll see what happens though. We'll see what happens. All right. Uh, next up we go to, who was that? That was Donda. Next up, we've got Ryan Lohner who writes, I just rewatched a movie that sadly seems to be forgotten these days. Kenneth Branagh's Dead Again. That was pretty good, actually. A fascinating use of the reincarnation concept told by knockout cast and crew. More people need to see it. I'll go one step further than that, Ryan. I will say more people need to discover Kenneth Branagh films. Now, look, I get it. Generally speaking, the comic book movie audience is not generally watching the Kenneth Branagh kind of films. But Kenneth Branagh is a fantastic storyteller. Absolutely fantastic storyteller. Um, and you guys, so going beyond even what Ryan's talking about here with Dead Again, I would say there's a lot of Kenneth Branagh cinema that you guys should be checking out. So go watch the original Thor, which is great. Kenneth Branagh did. That's I think the original Thor is the second most underrated comic book movie of all time. Obviously behind Man of Steel. And once you see how brilliant of a storyteller is, go and watch some of his other stuff. I really think you should. Thanks for throwing that one out there, Ryan. All right. Last question we'll cover here today, guys. And this one also comes to us from Donda, who writes, Another thing you haven't considered, if Sony takes Spider-Man out of the MCU, uh, would Tom Holland even be interested in returning to an MCU-less Spider-Man? Yes, he's already publicly said that he would. Uh, can you see Holland returning as Spider-Man without the MCU, or that will they reboot again? God, I hope not. Yeah, listen, a couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, when it looked like Sony and Marvel were ending their deal. Remember right around the last D23, Sony and Marvel were ending their deal. They were done. You weren't going to have Spider-Man in the MCU anymore. And Tom Holland came out on stage at D23 promoting, um, what's that animated, what guys in the live chat, help me out. What's the animated movie he did with Chris Pratt? Um, the one that's basically a Dungeons and Dragons adventure. What's it called? Not, it wasn't called Quest. It wasn't called... What was it called? Onward. Thank you. Yellow Flash. 
uh, was the first one to put in there. Yellow Flash, Thomas J, Marion, Jordan, Ivan, a bunch of you guys putting out. Yeah, the movie onward. So at D at the last D23 that happened, Tom Holland came out on stage. I was there uh, with Chris Pratt. They were promoting onward. But while on stage, he also gave his heartfelt farewell to the Disney fans saying, hey, guys, it's been great playing Spider-Man um, in the MCU and all that kind of stuff. But he affirmed that he was going to continue to play Spider-Man. It was just going to be in the Sony universe. Um, so, yes, Tom Holland absolutely would continue on playing Spider-Man. There's no doubt about it. He's already said it publicly. He wants to continue playing Spider-Man in the MCU. Yes, but he's already been very public that he is more than happy to continue playing Spider-Man if it's in the Sony universe. So, um, so yeah, but if they decide to reboot it, then they reboot it. I'm okay with that too. I mean, I love Tom Holland, Spider-Man, but if you're, if Sony decides they want to start a new Spider-Man story, okay. I mean, they rebooted Spider-Man when they started him in the MCU and that was okay. That worked out fine, right? They rebooted Spider-Man again in the MCU worked out perfectly fine. If they have to reboot him again, that'll work out fine too. But I don't think they'll have to. I, I think they will have uh, Tom Holland. And I think Tom Holland is really happy and loves playing Spider-Man. And he will play it in either universe. So I don't think that's going to be an issue. All right. I said that was going to be the last one. But let's do one more. Uh, let's see. And that last one comes to us from the Super Korean Stoner. I, again, I love that name. Who writes... Hey guys, I hope you're having a great day. My question is, I recently saw the Kingsman trailer, and I have to say it looks like the best one out of the series. I'm wondering why you guys haven't spoken about it. Is it not on your radar? We've we've spoken about the new Kingsman. We have. We haven't talked a lot about it, uh, granted. I think, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not tremendously looking forward to it. I love the first Kingsman. Loved it. It was such a shock and surprise and a pleasant surprise at that. But the second one sucks ass. Like, it's really bad. And I remember I watched it the first time and I was like, <coughs> pardon me. The first time I watched it, I'm like, okay, I mean, it's not as good as the first one, but eh, I mean, it's all right. It's all right. And then I watched it a second time. Like, no, John, it's not all right. The second one absolutely sucks. And it broke my heart because I love the first one and I love the people in it and all that kind of stuff. But the second one was really, really bad. And because of how bad it was, I'm like, I, I can't have any enthusiasm for this one. Even though you have, I believe, the greatest actor in the world who doesn't have an Academy Award on his mantle is starring in it. That's great. But I just can't get excited for it. And so hopefully it'll be awesome. Hopefully it'll be great. I'm definitely going to check it out. Hopefully it'll be great. And we have talked about it in the past. And when there's more news to come out to actually talk about it, we will. But I'd be lying to you if, um, if I told you I was excited about it. I'm not. I'm not excited. Doesn't mean the movie won't be great. Doesn't mean I won't love it. But right now... I'm, I'm not all that excited about it. I, I just, oh God, that second one is so bad and it could have been so great. The second one could have been so great, but yeah, it is what it is. Okay. Anyway, guys, there are still more questions to come from, uh, 
Baldy, Remmer, uh, David, Jonathan, and others. Do not worry, guys. We're going to do a companion video a little bit later today, and we'll get caught up on the remaining questions that we still have in there. But for now, guys, that'll do it. For this installment of the John Campia Show, thank you guys so much for being here, making the show part of your day. Special thank you to Robert Meyer Burnett for being here. And a very special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these live comments and questions and tips and all this kind of things. Number one, because he gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys very, very much for your support. Okay, guys, don't forget the John Campus Show returns again tomorrow. Make sure you hit subscribe and like on this video. That'll help the channel out a lot as well. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, guys, do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.